Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay, call it. This is Echo 2, calling in a fire mission. Hello and welcome to Check Your Six Podcast, the podcast where we talk about your favorite milsim, tactical, hardcore, realistic, t- low TTK, whatever sort of uh, thing you want to call call those kind of games. Uh, I got here with me my two co-hosts, uh, Crux. Say hello to the fine ladies and gentlemen. Hello there. <laughs> Very sensual. And then I also have here uh, Tacti Gamer. Good evening. What's going on, guys? Awesome, and I'm useless fodder. I'll be uh, sort of the the main main host, team leader, if you will, of this mm-hmm. particular podcast to go with the go with the genre. Um, and yeah, this is uh, the first inaugural episode. I don't know, is inaugural the right word? Doesn't that usually um, mean it's like a year? Pilot? Probably that sounds about right. I don't the know pi- the pilot episode. Let's the see pilot. if we get picked up by the <laughs> networks. Um, We're gonna send it to NBC. <laughs> Uh, I don't think they'll accept it. I'm just gonna say right now. I don't think they care that much. We we got we got to build up we got to build up the brand first, guys. We got to show the old media what new media is all about. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so for this podcast, um, this is a podcast that is solely focused in that hardcore genre. Um, I think it's a genre that is a little underserved, but very popular actually uh, online. Um, so we'll start off this uh, initial pilot episode, if you will. Uh, mostly talking about sort of our background and where we sort of fit into the genre. So um, without further ado, uh, Mr. Crux, if you would like to uh, sort of give us a little background um, from yourself, how you how you came into the hardcore genre and sort of um, where you're at now with it. Hi, I'm Crux. I've been playing these games a very long time. Uh, it, I blame my father who bought the original Rainbow Six for my brother. And he hated it because he's terrible at video games. So he just kind of tossed it aside. And I looked up from playing Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 and was like, Was es los? So I tossed it in the PC drive and uh, yeah, here we are. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm heavily focused on a game now called Ground Branch. Big, big, big disclaimer here. I you am got, a got the shirt. manager for Ground Branch. <laughs> incredibly biased towards ground branch so just we let's throw that out there in the in the pilot episode uh yeah i i do security by trade and play with guns and play video games by night that's that's me hi okay awesome (laughs) then uh uh gamer if you want to talk about yourself a little bit sure sure so i um i was a console gamer for a long long time for um, shame. Up until, yeah, For shame. <laughs> up until, hey, I mean, I'm, I'm 20, 28 years old now. I guess going to be 29 here at the end of the year. And I had, I've only been doing PC gaming for a little over a year, probably a year and a half now. Um, so I picked it up because I wanted to be able to do more stuff. And in doing that, I saw World War III and, and didn't really like the battlefield where that was going just because... You know, I, I like the modern shooters, and they, they weren't providing that. So um, there's not a whole lot of tactical shooters on Xbox. I mean, it, just off the top of my head, I can't I can't think of any. So uh, I wanted something a little bit more tactical, a little bit more stealthy, a little bit slower. 
because uh, I think the the low TTK is is a lot of fun and it requires a lot more brain energy, and so uh, got into those. World War Three was my my first one, and then just kind of branched out from there. Sandstorm and a little bit of squad, not a whole lot, but Tarkov. Uh, I've been married for almost two years now, and I got a little one, so little boy. Um, that's that's what, oh, I'm an occupational therapist. What'd you say? Indoctrinate him into playing Tarkov. Start him, <laughs> yeah, start him as hardcore as you can get. Yeah, he's 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 getting there. <laughs> Soon he'll be a he'll be a pro. But um, yeah. So that's a little bit about me. I'm a therapist, occupational therapist by by trade. So uh, that's it. You drive to people's houses and, and touch I, the bodies, yep. right? I yeah. <laughs> I try not to touch them, but sometimes they need it. So um, <laughs> there are some houses that I don't even want to be in. But we—that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> that's that's for a are, different podcast, right? The, yeah, that is for a different. Po- <laughs> that's that's the OT podcast that uh-huh. we're going to start next week. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, I myself, uh, useless fodder. Um, I go way back with uh, hardcore games. Back to, I want to say I was 13 years old playing Operation Flashpoint, which was the original oh, game yeah. before it was Arma. It was Operation Flashpoint. And they had several games in that genre. Um, but I was in a competitive. Uh, the Roughnecks was the name of the of the actual uh, clan that I was in. I think they call. They didn't even call it units back then. They didn't even try to be that realistic. It was just clans. And uh, my original my original uh, actual gamer tag was RN for Roughnecks underscore Stalker. That was me on everything, and it's still mm-hmm. to this day. I've been I've been on Steam for so long. Still to this day, I still log into Steam with my original Hotmail account. All right. Like so, I <laughs> I go way back with PC gaming. Um, the last console I had was the Xbox 360, which was a good console. Uh, played some Graw right when it first dropped. I was pretty happy with that. Uh, Ghost Recon: Advanced Warfare for those uh, who don't don't remember back of 2005. I think that was mm-hmm. long time. Um, and since then, I've just uh, really synced with the the genre. I think part of what it is is that um, throughout various times of my life, I just I've been like a really busy guy. Uh, I was in the army for nine years, um, work shift work, uh, had a lot of duties associated with that. So I never really had um, a lot of time to to play as many games as I wanted to. And I feel like one of the things that I love about those like the tactical hardcore shooters is that um, there is so much gameplay. There, there's so much like intensity and and momentum built into just uh, the the few mo- a ten minute round on something like Ground Branch will have so much more um, enjoyment in it. It's just dri- like it, it squeezes it squeezes the first person shooter genre for every little bit that it has because every tactical decision you make uh, has to be carefully calculated, and if you mess up, then it's instant death. And um, and I always found that, that that punishing gameplay can be very rewarding because um, you you can get just so much out of it. Like when I play a game, let's say I play a round of Hell Let Loose, like that's like an hour, but I'm exhausted by the end of it. Like I've made at that point, I've made literally thousands of tactical decisions, and uh, you know if you're squad leader, even more so, you have to. There's this thing, that thing. There's all the stuff you have to do. Um, and I, and I find that that's like an extremely enjoyable aspect of the genre. Um, uh, also, I think that there's uh, some connection between the military mindset and tactical gaming, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that I'd really like to talk about maybe later on in, in uh, either this episode or, or the next one, because 
um, you know, you look around at the people that are playing these kind of games and you see a lot of vets. You see a lot of people in mm-hmm. the security profession. You see a lot of people like, you know, like why when you do this during the day, you run around as a 11 bang bang in the army and then you go home and you play, you know, even like something like Call of Duty. Like why? Like mm-hmm. you do that in your real life. But I actually um, I, I talked to uh, Justin, you remember uh, Marine from Ground Branch server mm-hmm. and he goes. Why wouldn't I want to do this? <laughs> it's true, yeah. Like what? Yeah. But but it's the thing. Like it's the thing that attracted me to it in the first place. This um, is what I do. But yeah, so that's that's kind of my my background. Um, you know, I've played I've played a lot of different first person shooters. I've dipped in and out of the hardcore genre. I honestly I feel like for a while there um, there were not that many. There was like a golden age that a lot of people look back at with the Ghost Recon era. Um, and the uh, like SWAT four was kind of the end of like a golden age of hardcore shooters that existed, and there just wasn't any for a while except for whatever the latest Arma was, and that's mm-hmm. uh, Arma is a sub genre unto its own. Like if you like Arma, you like Arma. If you don't like Arma, then you don't play it right. Um, you use the base game of uh, the. I love the <laughs> a line someone said in the Ground Branch server. You use the base game of Arma to convince your friends to buy it, so you can then get them to download sixty gigabytes of mods <laughs> to play the real experience. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I mean, Arma is an experience un- unto itself. Like, there is no other game that does what Arma does. Honestly. Oh yeah. Um, the, the, that the scale of that game is just insane. Especially yeah, the, considering the fact that there is another version of it out there that is an actual military simulator mm-hmm. that governments use to train their military and police. Yeah, VBS it's, uh, it's, 3 yeah. now, right? Yeah, yeah, it, VBS mm-hmm. 3. I don't think we've even seen that one. I mean, maybe on that one channel that people have been posting around that might be VBS 3, but mm-hmm. that's it's still the, the scale of that and the fact that they've managed to turn an actual government military simulator into a video game well and, and just, it's that blows it's, my mind it's interesting too because i don't think they um you know i know they say it, like they put it slightly in their marketing but they, it's not even like they really market it like to civilians saying like oh play the thing that the military is using the but crazy I think, thing is it's two different development studios they just oh, share yeah? some graphical assets i didn't and realize some code that. assets yeah from mm, what i, I understand it's two totally different engines it's just they they kind of split off at some point, one doing VBS and one doing Arma, and what we know is the Bohemia that does Arma, mm-hmm. where it's it's BIS I think that does um, uh, VBS Bohemia Interactive Studios or some subsidiary mm-hmm. of them, something like that. Interesting, yeah, I I didn't know that that uh, I was it just to me it's really interesting because I think that there is some aspect when you're playing Arma. And all for all the sort of jankiness to the controls and the fact that yeah. literally it's the same game with updated graphics that I was playing in 2003, um, but somehow like it just you you get the sense of authenticity from that game by how kind of bad it is. Like having been in yeah. the military, like you know I used to lament that like the military is the most technologically advanced, technologically backwards uh, group of people in the world, right? Because You'll have billions of dollars going to develop this state-of-the-art technology, but you're r- running uh, Windows, you know, ME <laughs> yep. on the servers that you have to log into. Like it, it, it was just totally crazy, right? And that's like to me, Arma and Operation Flashpoint going back, like really represent that. Like it doesn't have a control scheme that any first-person shooter fan would it ever takes some think getting to come used up to. with. Yeah, especially if you fancy yourself a pilot. 
what does it take some getting used to? I've even got a Hotas sitting under my desk, you know. I mean, I like I set everything up. It was still like, how do I fly this thing? But now, going we... back to something you said earlier, uh, the 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 slow time to kill, or the, sorry, the the low time to kill, and just the the sheer amount of time that can go on between actual engagements is really what makes games like this perfect because my first experience with arma ever was arma 2 free when that still existed it was a free-to-play version of arma 2 and i got into the server i got in a squad and i spawned out there on their camp and the squad leader the first words out of his mouth are all right boys get ready we're going on a 10 minute ruck to maybe see some action <laughs> i was like oh yeah. okay that's what this is <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's definitely true. Like I, we were talking earlier about Hell Let Loose and how people are like, get really upset. They're like, oh, I walked five minutes and didn't see anyone, then got shot randomly and died. And it's like, but, like, for the genre, like that's still kind of like not bad. Like five minutes without an engagement isn't in a large scale game like that isn't outrageous. Mm-hmm. You think like Squad? I, there's how I many times even, have you been in? I, sorry, go ahead. How many times in Squad have you have you, you know? realize that you had no vehicles left at your spawn point and you realize that it's several flags away and you're like i guess i'm i'm holding down shift (laughs) for the next three clicks right like you you know that's gonna happen and yet you come back to it because that's just a that's part of the authenticity the pain of that sells you on oh it's important to have vehicles like you know, I don't want to run that. I would much rather grab a vehicle. Therefore, maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't waste the vehicles next time, or maybe I should bring them back to base, or whatever. You know, like that's. I would also argue. Welcome to World War Two. <laughs> mm-hmm. You talking about people complaining for... about dying a lot and hell let loose? Um, what was the death count? Yeah, that's true. In yeah. Europe, <laughs> there was no body armor. If you had a helmet, you were lucky. What was the death count on Omaha Beach specifically? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, for it's sure. gonna happen. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna spend ten or fifteen minutes getting somewhere, and then you're gone. Mm-hmm. Okay, guess I'm doing that again. And then you get down there the second time, and you get into an engagement that lasts twenty, thirty minutes, and it's one of the most intense things you can get into. I was yeah, holding absolutely. down a corner with a Sturmgewehr for fifteen minutes yesterday until I inevitably <laughs> got grenaded. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 I think also part of it for me is that. Um, you know that that the fatality of the whole game and lethality of everything also means that what you do has such a dramatic impact. Like if you compare something like a uh, Battlefield or Call of Duty, which I don't want to crap on either of those games because I like them as well. Those are those games are are fun to me in their own way. But uh, unless you were like one of those ungodly skilled players that makes like uh, montages on Instagram or whatever, then <laughs> you what you can do in a call of duty game is just sort of rack up a little bit of a little bit of points right like it it doesn't really have an impact in the overall game but if you if you're the guy that is in the machine gunner in hell let loose and you're holding down a whole field of a whole sector of fire like you have now changed the game for all 50 people on your team and all 50 mm-hmm. people on their team. If you mow down 10 people and they have to wait to respawn, you have dramatically shifted the balance of power and knowing that means that when you make bad decisions, you're punished for them. When you make good decisions, it really pays off. You get that real sense of satisfaction. We're probably going to want to show some kind of video for this, but <laughs> the, suppression, the suppression effect of the machine guns and hell let loose 
you're not kidding at all when you say a single MG can can literally change the face of the battlefield because that if that man is holding down a field in just the right way, nobody is crossing. There is no I'm going to prone and crawl through no no no. You're you're going all the way around now to try to get that guy and you're literally creating new battle lines by just being an MG gunner in a position. Yep, absolutely. That is Oh, that's a spicy meatball right there. <laughs> Yeah, well, and what's funny that you say that because, you know, the suppression mechanic is the number one thing that most people complain about in that game. Really? That's a, Yep. The first See, thing never, that people complain. I have I'm not sorry. If I'm getting shot at with Hitler's buzzsaw, I'm not moving. If yeah. I'm if I'm not dead yet and I, there's something blocking Hitler's buzzsaw from getting to me, mm-mm, mm-mm, I ain't popping my mm-mm. No, sir. Is it, MG42 is, it same as in, is it the same system as in Squad? Kind of. Um, Kind of, but it, what what happens is that there's like um like in squad, you know, you get suppressed and you get suppressed, um, but you kind of get to a point where everything your vision's tiny in squad, but what mm-hmm. you don't lose control of is your your ability to shoot. You can still shoot, aim and shoot in this tiny little cone of vision, right? Um, mm-hmm. but for hell let loose, you get uh basically think like um like weapon punch, you know, like in games when you get shot and your kind of weapon moves around, you get that your weapon starts to f- oh, sort wow. of fling around. So it's like a you're lot panicking. Of, yeah, exactly. It, it feels yeah. like you right. your your character is now losing control of their body, and um, what people complain about is that in that moment is the time when you most need to shoot at accurately, right? When you're getting shot at, this mm-hmm. time that you most need to do it. And so they feel like the agency has been taken away from them as a player. But I will say, as the hardcore gamer, you know, who's willing to work on making a hardcore gaming podcast, that mm-hmm. yeah. Th- in that moment is the time when you need your buddies to rescue you. If yes. you've yeah. gotten in the situation yes. where you're getting shot at by, uh, you know, a Sherman tank, I'm sorry, you've lost the fight. Like that's not your, yeah. you are not capable of fighting that. World if an War MG Two gunner was has like you, you know, that. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like none suppressed. of these guys, none of these guys knew that the MG42 existed when they went out for the early years. I mean, it's not like. It's not like we had intel on the enemy saying, look, this is exactly what we're going to be dealing with. we got to train our guys to be used to the... There wasn't any of that back then. No, the suppression's entirely realistic for the time period. I mean, it's men being shot at by giant machines. Mm-hmm. Tanks had only been around for... I mean, yeah, they, they, they'd been around since World War One, but still, there wasn't much of a gap between World War One and Two. So still, yeah, so it was a, it was the first time we were seeing things like that. And that's, I get the Sherman. Yeah, that thing suppresses the crap out of you if that MG starts firing at you, as it should. And that's, and the, that's why, as a player, you're like, I mean, routinely, I've been, I've been in the woods, and I hear or see a Sherman go by, and I'm like, hey, everyone, get, get low. down. Yeah. Lay low. <laughs> we're not, don't do anything. Don't, Just don't get its attention. Let it go shoot at somebody else. I mean, honestly, because what you know if you draw its ire, then you're stuck. Your your squad's going nowhere. Your combat ineffective because you're pinned down. And it, it, there's been no other game I've ever played that has pinned you in a way that Hell Let Loose pins you. That's just yeah, the reality. Just chuck some C4 at it. I mean, and uh, World War Three, which I yeah. like, has chuck hardcore. Some C4 at it. Yeah, except, but it what it comes down to it, it's if you don't die, then you try to run buy some cover and then get up to it um mm-hmm. and even something like squad and postscriptum which i think has pretty much the exact same mechanic as squad yeah. Yeah. even still you can pull out your rocket launcher and shoot shoot a rocket back at 
uh, that that vehicle that's shooting at you. In Hell Let Loose, you just can't. You are mm-hmm. incapable of doing it. If you are in the sights of an MG, you are not returning fire. And, Interesting. Uh, I and like I'm that okay a lot. with that. I'm okay with that. Interesting. Don't get shot up by the MG. Don't put yourself yeah. in a position. <laughs> if the MG is shooting you, then you back out and you crawl yourself all all the way to somewhere else where you can shoot at them. But people complain about that. They they find that to be a I don't know if you're thing. a fan of uh, of RTS games. Company of Heroes and Company of Heroes mm-hmm. 2 actually I remember did when that, that came out, yeah. very well. Where if you had an MG in place and another unit came into that cone of vision of the MG, the MG would start firing. They would all hit the deck and auto-retreat. They wouldn't even attempt to go through that. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I'd, that's pretty on the ball of what I'd want from a machine gun because otherwise the only purpose of the machine gun, yes, is to lay down lead and to drop bodies that are trying to come through the field, but it's also to be a deterrent from coming through that route because there is a wall of lead coming down. So I mean, you that's... have to have something in game to represent that deterrent. That's, I mean, going, going back to sort of the the aspect of hardcore games being uh, as an attempt to recreate a realistic environment, maybe not in a one-to-one sense of mm-hmm. uh, how, you know, quote unquote war is actually fought, right? Like you don't spend all your time cleaning your weapon and doing patrols. Or, like clearly you're, you've gamified part of it, but to recreate the aspect of in, in combat, like zo- zones of control, fields of fire. Those are the things that win you battles. It's not an individual soldier that has the best shot. You want your soldiers to be the best shot, but you win by using good squad tactics, uh, controlling your areas, ensuring your freedom of movement and your field of fires are superior to the enemy. And so in games, when they have mechanics, even if they're not quote-unquote realistic mechanics uh, in a one-to-one sense, if they in- encourage gameplay that uh, get you want your MG guy to be, have the largest field of fire, not just mm-hmm. because he can kill the most people, but because he can also control that zone, that is enabling realism. That's not yeah. It's not about being entirely realistic, but it's enabling a realistic feel to where now as a squad leader, I'm going to employ my MG in a way that is realistic, even if the fact that my guy goes like this when he gets shot is not realistic in and of itself. One other good gameism also from Hell Let Loose is how the battle line actually shifts throughout the battle. Uh, A good example is the Omaha Beach invasion. The Americans start out with just the beach. And as they start to take ground inland, it'll actually recolor on the map the chunks that they've taken. And the gamify part of it is that the Germans can't go into that area anymore. They get 10 seconds to turn back and get back out of that area. But... They, if, if, say, the, the United States takes the center section, the Germans still have the north and the south and the west. And so it's it's gamifying it to say that the Germans can't go into where the, the allies have already taken, but it also molds the match to keep moving in the way that they needed to keep moving without being too gamey. Yeah. Yeah, so that... Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And, and I, think, I think Hell at Loose... Um, as a game is one of the games that uh, has taken very, uh, very strong points from games that have come before it, but really tried new things. And I know it's turned off some people who are even into the genre. Um, but I think honestly, you know, talking with some of the people who I have who play Hell Let Loose, uh, there's people who have never been into hardcore games who mm-hmm. like Hell Let Loose because it is it is something different. It's not. It's definitely not Arma. Um, you know, you could say it has something similar to Squad, but at the same time, like, it doesn't, you know? it it. 
I don't know. It, it's it's a special it's a special thing, and I think what Black Matter's doing with that game is uh, is honestly uh, very impressive, and I'm excited to see where they go with that game as they as they push we, out more we releases. We chalked it up. We chalked it up to somewhere between Red Orchestra Two and Squad. Mm-hmm. I can see that. It's, for sure. It's got something of the the team mechanics of Red Orchestra. It's and it's hardcore, but it's not as slow paced as Squad is. Because Squad, I've no, legitimately yeah. had thirty to forty five minutes of nothing going on <laughs> defending and the fog then, yeah just sitting there chilling and then eruption of gunfire on my fob just like oh oh god get the gun let's go yeah <laughs> exactly yeah whereas um well i guess that's realistic huh yeah i mean that that and and i know that squad uh part of what the people uh who are making that out at um what's it off world uh, developing so, yeah. that one uh are are trying to do is they do want part of their build mechanics, which I really like. I think Hell at Loose could do much better with the build mechanics. But the build mechanics of Squad, um, you know, entice that that idea of uh, going and controlling an era, area, but just differently, right? Like, Mega for and that, it. Exactly. Like, you, you got to... You gotta get the logistics out there. You gotta you gotta keep resupplying. You gotta get the stuff down. All, you have to have a certain number of people to put it down. All that sort of stuff encourages uh, team play to be able to push forward, get your spawns closer because spawn spawning and running to where the battle is honestly is is how you is how you win both Hell at Loose and Squad is how how short of a time can you get your dead allies back into the battle is like a large portion of of that and they deal with it differently and I, I think the way that Squad does it uh, does a great job of um you know forcing forcing that team play but I will say that one of the negatives is it puts a lot on the squad leader the the game of squad the squad leader has to do uh, arguably more than than is reasonable for one player in a team even even the commander does less than a single squad leader that's one of the weirdest things about squad because really i thought they hadn't had the commander role yet i haven't actually ever seen someone sitting in commander role i think they have it on the um i know squad ops has got it yeah, Squad Ops has it. Yeah, that's a mod. I don't though. know if it yeah. does anything. It's not the base I... game. I'm pretty sure doesn't okay. have it. Yeah, Squad Ops yeah, definitely cause, has it. Yeah, because I was thinking it would be like Battlefield, the way that they tried to do it, mm-hmm. where you can bring in UAVs, you know, stuff like that. Well, I mean, I, I imagine you wouldn't have UAVs with Squad, but probably like supply drops, old old Battlefield Two style thing, yeah. drop in, drop in supplies kind of thing. But while we're on the topic of that. A game I do want to mention, I, I think you've played it as well, Foxhole. Mm-hmm. It is essentially World War II, but every single item in the game is made by one of the two teams, a player on one of the two teams. You yep, have it's like, to it's do... like an RTS game where you just play one soldier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You are one guy in this massive RTS war. I mean, you can go out and mine things, refine things, build stuff, build ammunition, weapons, all of that. Uh, and I was playing a session where we were on a front line that was getting dangerously undersupplied. We were running out of respawn shirts. We were running out of guns. And it almost came down to the Russian strat of... First man takes rifle. <laughs> second man takes clip. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, and we were having to take rounds off our dead bodies and things like that. And then 15, 20 minutes later, we get the call. The supply truck has arrived. <laughs> and we end up holding that position for the next three or four hours until we eventually have to go to bed. And, I mean, it's 
for for a very small team it's a brilliant game because i've met a few people on there where i've seen them two wars ago and they were doing something totally different now they're just holding the front line with me it's nighttime and we're waiting for the 20 minute cycle to come around so we can see the guys on the other side of the river again yeah that that game's interesting too for their um the way they're doing the overall war mechanics really interesting in that game. So, Tacti, have you played that one, Tacti, or seen it? I have not. No. So nope. basically, I'm out it's, of this one too. it's it's basically an overhead view, um, uh, and you control just one soldier, uh, but it's an entirely overhead uh, game. But like you said, like uh, there's no like spawn points that somebody doesn't build. There's no uh, weapons that somebody didn't manufacture somewhere back behind the battle lines, and so. Uh, each map has a number of points that once you capture all the points, you've then captured that map, and it actually pushes to the next map in a in a series. But it's a giant grid, so you're in this okay. large scale war, and as a player, you can choose to spawn several maps back where nobody's even fighting, and just produce like weapons and Things. and ammo and stuff like mm-hmm. that, um, and then literally load them in a truck and drive them up to the front. Yep. Uh, or you could be a soldier on the front line, and hopefully people are resupplying you uh, in the back. But like. It comes down to all the aspects of, you know, you got to protect your supply lines because the enemy on any of the maps that are adjacent to or like under under warfare, you can go anywhere mm-hmm. on the map. There's nothing that prevents right. you. Yeah. And so you'll have people that will sit there for 20 minutes just sitting right next to the road into the map and they'll blow up every single logistical truck that comes in. And it has a real yep. impact on the on the warfare overall. Mm-hmm. I was involved in a. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Tacti. I, I just said interesting. Oh, uh, I, I was involved in a situation like what he was just mentioning. Uh, a guy organized a group of partisans to go into the back line and disrupt the supply lines of the, uh, we were playing the essentially the Axis at the time. Uh, they have different names for them. It's like the Colonials and something else, but obviously one's the one's The, the Wardens, allies, right? The, mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, the yeah, Wardens. Colonials that's and the, the Wardens, That's yeah. the Axis. Uh, so... Basically, we had a we had a small squad of six guys. It was two rocketeers, one long rifleman, and two submachine gunners. And we snuck behind the enemy line and got almost to the refinery. And we sat there for two or three hours, just taking down trucks. And the funniest thing is, you can then loot those trucks for some of the supplies that were going out. So we were managing to resupply ourselves by raiding the convoys mm-hmm. and that's what kept us out there so long until eventually a sherman found us <laughs> <laughs> and then it's so game this, over so and this, this game, game over this one game lasts hours oh longer I, than so a single days, war yeah. i if i remember wow, correctly okay. a single war is either a week or a month yeah oh. it takes a long time yeah with, with that wouldn't, wouldn't you have to have uh i don't know i mean obviously someone playing constantly so it's one server just one server. That's it. There is one okay. server that everybody plays on. So think hmm. of it. Basically, the equivalent is, have you ever played EVE Online or heard of that game? Um, I've heard of it. have not so played it. Basically, the same concept, right? Like, everyone's on just one server. So EVE Online's okay. an MMO. But unlike World of Warcraft or whatever, where you have, like, all of these other servers, there's just one server. There's mm-hmm. just the one. And so anyone who has ever played, if you if you meet somebody at a con and they say, I play EVE Online... They play in the same server as you. There's mm-hmm. no. Yep. They might be in a completely different region of the universe, but conceivably you could meet that person. And so Foxhole's the same thing. And hmm. um, and yeah, it's. I don't know if anyone if they've ever actually pushed the enemies all the way back off the map, but the map is huge. I think it's like a 
10 by 10 grid of of um that's like the the war map and then you go uh -huh. into individual maps yep. and they're like probably I think the war four by four end. kilometers I think hmm. the war can end if you get pushed back to your last position along the wall. Because I've seen one, I think I've seen one war end early. But the issue with uh, with Foxhole, I'll say, is that uh, it is, when, it, when we talk about slow games, it is a very slow game. And the the shooting mechanics leave so much to be desired because it is, it is basically like any other top-down shooter, like... You put your mouse on something, and based upon the recoil of the weapon, it just sprays out. And in the way that sometimes the game gets, you'll be 30 feet away from each other, two lines of people just shooting, like, Revolutionary War style. And that <laughs> yeah. that can be a little bit frustrating when you feel like you've done everything right, and you mm -hmm. still end up just getting taken out by some errant, you know... A grenade. Yeah, or More grenade. More than likely, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, earlier we talked about Tarkov. I'm pretty sure we all play Tarkov. Mm -hmm. Um... So I have, have you guys relationship been relationship with it? I don't I don't know anyone that doesn't have a love-hate relationship with it <laughs> or a, a hate-hate relationship. Yeah. yeah, you either have a love-hate relationship or just a hate-hate relationship. Yep. And I have been in varying gradients between both of those over time. Um have you guys done any of the uh, events that they've been that they've been doing pre uh wipe? Yeah, I I just tried um this past weekend i don't know a couple days they they currently have i believe they still have raiders mm -hmm. on all the maps um and so I, I didn't realize that that had changed i thought that they were just doing different things so um i'm getting shot from 10 different directions as a scav and i'm like what is going on here uh so i died lost all my stuff but um i don't know i mean it's it's tarkov but harder I, I mean, yeah exactly i mean i don't i haven't run labs or anything like that i'm not even that that far into the game but um i don't know it's okay i don't play it as a serious gamer i go in i want to shoot some people and get good loot and then leave but most of the time i've just been dying so that's that's been my experience with it with this pre-wipe that's actually my reasoning for uh, disliking one portion of the wipe event that I believe they're considering making a permanent thing, but I, I really don't know what the word is on that. It, it's the uh, safe container thing that they've done. <clears throat> so to explain, in Tarkov, you have a safe container, which you if you put items into it from the raid and you die, you don't lose those. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a way to save at least a little bit of money off of your raid so if you're terrible at it or you don't have a lot of time to actually play the game you can save some stuff even if you get killed off during the match the proposed change and i think they've one of y'all can possibly confirm if they've already done this for the pre-wipe is that mm -hmm. you can put items into it but you can't take items out of it is or no is the, the other way around it's the opposite you, you can, can take items, with items out of it in it yeah yeah, you, you can take items, items out of it raid, during yeah. the raid. So if I if I need to, I can just be like, "All right, got a magazine out of my safe container," but I can't put it back in. Yep. Yep. And that's that's, that's, correct. that's a little annoying for people like me who don't have a lot of time to play Tarkov. Yeah. I have like maybe an hour to play that game a mm. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See what. I'm, 
doesn't matter much to me because I've just got I've got that two by two anyway. So I don't. Yeah, I'm ta- standard, I can take a pistol yeah. out, but what what am I going to do with it? Well, I imagine it's extra annoying for the people who paid one hundred and fifty dollars for the game specifically to get that three by three or whatever the box is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Uh, this. I actually read a really interesting thread on on that exact thing because I actually I'm kind of a fence sitter on this one. Um, I kind of straddle the line because on one hand. You know, the the issue that they're trying to solve is the issue of hatchlings, which I think everyone can agree is not good gameplay. The fact that the the most efficient way to play the game is to come into a raid with no gear, sprint directly to the best loot, grab the loot, shove it in your secure container, and then have someone kill you or just disconnect. Like, the fact that that is the most efficient method to play the game... Mm-hmm. Um, I think really undercuts a lot of stuff. It makes it really tough if you are a player who wants to play the game. Arguably, as uh, Nikita um, uh, wanted it, which was that you full gear, have your weapon, you fight your way to the good loot, you get the good loot, and then you extract with it. You can't do that because it's shared loot. So, like, for example, is on dorms. If you're playing dorms, everyone goes to marked room, or at least at Mm -hmm. one point they did. Uh, I know it's later in the white people leave it alone. Everyone goes there because you, you get bitcoins, you get uh, you know, docs cases, you get all the stuff that you want you want to find. And good luck if you are geared ever finding anything in that room. It's always just hatchlings. Like you might find a dead body from when mm-hmm. they disconnected, and that's it. And so the idea with the change is that sure somebody could still hatchling and sprint to that room and grab the grab the goods, but they still have to extract with it. Um, but I'm with you as well, Crux, on the whole aspect of you know like i mentioned before i don't have a ton of time to play games i got kids i got a family i got a full-time job so if i play half an hour of a raid and then i get shot you know five minutes before i extract with the secure container where i can put stuff in it at least i know i got whatever that good thing was out Mm -hmm. um if you don't have that then it's all or nothing for you you either extract and get everything or you die and get nothing and um, I think part of that's tempered by the fact that as a standard account, there's only certain stuff that I'm going to fit in there. I'm only going to fit Bitcoins. I'm only going to fit money. I'm only going to fit, um, you know, small items in there. But at the same time, uh, if I kill somebody, the most most loot I'm getting off of them is going to be their their armor, their weapon, their, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that they actually are carrying on them that won't fit in my secure container. So I think it's one of the things that it really does. It's a nerf to more to the people who did EOD or are farther along in their Tarkov journey where they've unlocked that game of container, um, which gives you more slots. It's much more of a nerf to them than it is to somebody like me. Yeah. Um, but even still, it does suck the idea of never having a safe raid anymore. Never having the the feeling of safety for anything. But it could also I, ratchet I would up even the argue, tension, you know? I would even argue that it's not a nerf to the hatchlings whatsoever. They're still super fast. I would I would say the the real way to solve the problem of hatchlings is not by messing with the secure container. It's by actually fixing the economy of the game, because the pricing on a lot of the stuff in the game, or or at least the route to get the proper trader level to buy things. Like for instance, if I want to buy an M4, I have to get Peacekeeper up to level three or four, whatever it is, and then I think I have to buy it with euros which you would have to find specifically in raid so like the process of getting some of this stuff it's a little ridiculous and i'm just wondering 
how long is it going to take before we get to see what the game was originally pitched as? When it was originally pitched as, you start on Streets of Tarkov and work your way map to map to map to map to map mm. to eventually escape at Shoreline. I That's... My monitor keeps turning itself off. Yeah, saw that. that that's when the that's when the game is really going to be testable. Like right now, yes, you can you can test the economy. I understand that they they're still not calling it 1.0 yet for some reason. You you can you can already test the economy. You can test the guns, all of that. But I don't know how much what they're testing right now and what they're playing with right now is actually going to matter once the game gets to where it's supposed to go does that make sense like once that whole once the whole campaign if you'll call it that working your Mm -hmm. way through through the maps uh, you're supposed to have a safe house and all this other stuff where you can store your gear but what we're looking at isn't really what nikita proposed in the first place I think a lot of it has to do with that idea of, you know, one of the biggest changes that's going to come. People talked about how the flea market was a big change, which it was. It enabled people who are lower level but still able to extract a good amount of money to actually be able to buy better gear. And I, I'm really pleased about it. Though I will say it, it did change my relationship with the game a lot. It wasn't about, you know, it wasn't anymore about just buying whatever I had and just making do until I got better stuff. Now I can actually buy the nicer stuff. Uh, but that's that aside, you know, the the vision for the game is that it was going to be a more open world game specifically yeah. more like a daisy style world where you're yeah. moving through and so the idea of extracting you didn't extract until you got back to your hideout that's my understanding of it you yeah. go out in the world and so wherever your hideout's at you know the farthest map from you you have to go across you have to go through customs you have to go through uh shoreline like you have to make woods you have to make your way all the way back to wherever your hideout's at wow and then once you get there, then your stuff's safe. Then it's a separate thing. Nobody, I mean, they even talked about the ability to raid other people's hideouts. I mean, they're talking yeah. about there being, like, removing any aspect of safety to the game. And I think that, honestly, if the game wasn't so popular, we probably would would be seeing it as a more open world style. At this point, I think they would have moved much farther in their development. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that it's a game that, ha- I mean, routinely pulls... You know, 6,000, 10,000 people watching live streams of it. The videos that people make for it get tens of thousands of views. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got people buying a $150 version of a game where they don't even get anything physical. It's not like your $150 version of, like, you know, when I bought Skyrim at the expensive version, mm-hmm. I got a freaking statue and, like, a poster <laughs> and I got a game book. I mean, I got all this stuff with mm-hmm. my $150 purchase. But in this, it's literally just digital goods, mm-hmm. you know? And so... I think with Tarkov, it's one of those things that are they are they going to get to 1.0 is a question that's worth having because mm-hmm. right now the game is is very popular, very well loved by you know a certain certain subset of people, mm-hmm. and uh, every time they make changes, even though they're minute, it's like a huge deal for that fan base because mm-hmm. it is such a big fan base. Yeah, you know, um, there's there's one thing because like all this stuff did what you guys are talking about is new to me because I, I wasn't a part of the, the game until what, three months ago or something. And, and even then I'm, I'm, I get minimal time. Um, the one thing that I don't like, and I, I know it's an RPG game or technically, um, 
the the recoil in the game drives me mm. nuts. Mm-hmm. It's based like, on levels of a skill. Actually, you can level exactly. your recoil mastery, yeah. and it becomes nothing. Exactly, yeah. and I, I don't yeah. think that that's I I I just feel like that's a bad way to do it. Um, I totally agree. You're a trained PMC operator. Why would you just now be learning how to control the recoil? <laughs> should of already be level weapon? fifty. You yeah. should right. already be max exactly. level. What yeah. is this? <laughs> I exactly. So I and, and I struggle with that because then it it. Like I can't, kind of what you were talking about before, Fod. When when you're getting suppressed and hell let loose, the the autonomy is taken away. I can't mm-hmm. control this situation, and so with that recoil, I can't control my situation because I've got a bead on a guy. I squeeze the trigger, which also the the bullets when you're doing single single fire is tied to frame rate, which I think is also something that needs <laughs> yeah. change. Yeah. That's dumb, but um, <laughs> so then, so then, my only option is to go full auto, and then I'm all over the screen, and that's, I mean, it, it just that kind of ruined it. It that happened this few days ago, and just kind of uh, makes me not want to play it. But so, are you ready to hear the exploity way to get around recoil? Yeah, should this we is... give the, that secret? secret oh out? no, this is well known at this point. Every streamer does this. So a canted mount with a red dot on it mm-hmm. and then there's a particular foregrip where you grip it at a diagonal yeah when you're using a canted iron it's actually vertical there is no recoil yeah with that canted iron interesting none none it's just a canted red dot and it goes bloop, 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 yeah. bloop, just barely assume bounces. that changes though i mean after this nope. anyway not not that i'm aware of they haven't touched it. Uh, no, I I think they are planning on touching it on. Are they? Uh, I think one, they're just trying to figure out two. how it's even doing that. <laughs> Game development's weird, man. Yeah, it I'll is. Give them, it I'll is give weird. them that. I mean, and Tarkov, Tarkov is one of those games that um, I I've heard it described as spaghetti code on the inside, um, which kind of you know reminds me of harkening back to the days when I when I played Minecraft in alpha. Um, yeah. Obviously not obviously not a hardcore game, but right, I played hard or I played uh, Minecraft for a long time. And uh, you had you had Notch, the sole developer of, of Minecraft, yeah. right? And he and he built this amazing game, this great idea, everything like that. But then when you got when you got real programmers in there, people actually knew what they were doing. They were like, "What is this?" Like they <laughs> talked about how you know ninety percent of their time was j- just spent trying to figure out how things were actually working because it was just such cobbled together spaghetti code. And yeah. um, it seems to me that Escape from Tarkov's kind of in a similar situation in that. A lot of the systems that they've built are kind of built on sh- shaky foundations already, mm-hmm. um, and you know the game's got a lot going for it. I don't, I don't want to like sound like I'm crapping on it or whatever. It's a beautiful game. It, it, it does these all these interesting things. Like uh, the fact that you can take a magazine in in the game and you can load uh, this kind of round, and then like say an uh, an AP round, and then you can load a. Uh, uh, hollow point round and then you can load 10 more ap rounds and then you and mm-hmm. then when when you go to shoot the gun uh that it will actually shoot those particular rounds in the opposite order that you put them in like from a uh co- a programming perspective that is extremely impressive that's a very difficult thing to do most mm-hmm. games have a percentage of rounds that are left in your magazine and every time it it fires it just erases some of the percentage until it's zero, right? The fact that it has to now store every single round in every single magazine on you and every enemy 
on the mm-hmm. map is like that that is very impressive but yeah. when you create a game that's that complex yeah you run into weird situations i think the bugs in tarkov are bugs that uh really outshine bugs in other oh, games yeah. mm-hmm. like you'll see stuff happening in tarkov you're like just how and i think honestly that also has a lot to do with why you know hacking has been such a problem for them for so long say what you want about the anti cheat and and all that sort of stuff but the reality oh, no, is no it doesn't work it doesn't work it's just it's just a it's a game that ha- that is inherently going to have so many holes that that can be mm-hmm. exploited because because of the just the sheer volume of stuff that's going on. I mean, mm-hmm. even just the ability to, you know, one of the hacks that people don't think much of but is extremely common is the ability to see what items are on the map because it loads all the loot. Your game has all the loot loaded mm-hmm. in the entire map. So if I say I want to know where the bitcoins are, I can there's hacks that I can download and it'll just show me where the bitcoins are. I'll highlight mm-hmm. every single spawn. If I want to say, hey, who has the nicest weapon? I can look at every single person's weapon in the whole game. And it's it's available to me as the as the client side because your game has to load all of it because right. of the way that the looting works, because of the way that the items interact with one another. And also, and so, to be fair to their anti-cheat, stopping cheaters for the entirety of gaming history has always just been a game of catch-up. Mm -hmm. you're literally just trying to catch up to the hacker get their code block it by some means and then do it all again next week when he releases the next version Mm -hmm. yeah well and that's only if you're catching the people i mean you're only catching public cheats right like i think it's pretty it's pretty well established that uh some of the best players in tarkov and i don't think this is this is controversial but some of the best players in tarkov have private cheats or ping exploit or both or both, yeah. And then, but one know. going back to something that you were talking about with the ammo, one one little hidden hidden gem about Tarkov. I have two magazines. This one has AP. Where did you get those? <laughs> don't don't question it. You're I'm talking about Crux. He's it. got he's got it. Yeah. yeah. I, I am the I am my His modern secure day container. Yeah. yeah, my secure container. My prison wallet, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this has AP. This has hollow points, and you need them for obviously for separate purposes if you have a guy that's not wearing armor it's better to use hollow points if you have a guy that's wearing you know wearing armor it's better to have ap i don't remember the exact combination but i think it's if you hold shift and hit r or r and scroll wheel it brings up a little box with your different magazine types in it your different magazines and you can pick which one you're tossing in your gun for your reload specifically which one and it'll tell you this magazine with this ammo in it or i don't i don't think they show the ammo anymore they they no it just tells you what the am, what the magazine is okay because yeah, they in, also yeah. got rid of the round count a while back yeah yep. uh but yeah you can you can pick the individual mag and then you also still have the option of yank the mag out and toss it or yank it out swap it out and put it back yeah. in the pouch i mean there's there is a lot of systems working together simultaneously there, and I can't mm-hmm. knock them for that. But I'm still asking where the original concept went, because that was cool. I wanted open world stalker like we were originally pitched. MMO stalker was basically what we thought was going to happen. Yeah, and I mean, on on one side, yeah, that's about trying to get to that original vision but at the same time like i think the game's evolved into something that is special you know and i think like i said before it's got it has a fan base that is for one one of the most uh you know aggressively um loyal to it Uh, i mean sure people will complain about it but when it comes down to it 
as a as a game as punishing as it is with as many bugs as people have gone through with as many terrible things i mean one one tap scavs with the taws from halfway across the map is one of the most frustrating things that's ever happened to me in a game like honestly right because because that sense of loss is so big like all that gear I had, I had to find or I had to get the money for. I had to build those weapons. Like, you know, it's a lot. It's a big loss. But all of those things um, do add into a into a very special experience that I think a lot of people connect with. And mm-hmm. so I think at this point, if BSD were uh, or sorry, BSG were to say, OK, yeah, we're, we're trying to realign with the original vision. Well, I, I mean, I think the original vision is was was what it was going to be. And, and it's evolved a lot into a hybrid of where we're at now and where they want to be. Um, so where do you think they're going with it now? If they, if they do go with something a bit different than the original pitch, I, I believe they've already teased hideouts that are, yeah. So hideouts coming, are supposed to come in dot one, two, as far as I understand, mm-hmm. it, I mean, which I mean, literally could drop tomorrow. I mean, we're recording so, this on the supposedly, 16th Wednesday, I, but uh, it, I mean, normally they do updates on a Thursday. It could drop tomorrow. It could drop next week. It could drop a month from now. I mean, we're Knowing in pre Knowing my luck, events. it's going to drop an hour after we get finished recording this. <laughs> it might be dropping right now. We might be missing yeah, out for on all the we, know, we might know. be missing That's it. That's true. I, I don't um, get the, the updates. But the – the I, I was going to laugh if right now Discord's like, boop, boop, you know. Um, God, the timing would be so perfect. That'd be we'd, have to, we'd have to postpone the rest of this and go check out point 12 for a couple minutes yeah oh uh, yeah we'll, we'll we'll get right back to you yeah we'll be, we'll um, be right. the, see this is why doing it live would be perfect because then you could just throw up the brb screen yeah yeah hey hang on a second yeah um but uh it they had said that uh hideouts were going to be part of dot one two i think they might have walked that back a little bit um i will say that battle state games is one of the most opaque game developers i've ever seen they are not very transparent with what they're doing with their updates, mm-hmm. which I know builds the hype, you know, but like some of the core changes, like you mentioned about the secure containers and people who paid $150, are they going to have their huge advantage that they had before or not? You know, like, um, you know, they, they definitely have said they're good. They were getting two new maps. That's a uh, military base or sorry, two new bosses and one new map. Military base is the new, new map. Uh, and it's got that Arnold Schwarzenegger looking mofo. Who looks like he has an army of uh, mm-hmm. of very well trained scavs at his disposal, and then they've also teased the uh, the hunter in woods. Looks like he's going to be another sort of solo. Um, the OG splash screen character. We're finally getting him. Is that is that him? I didn't make that yeah, connection, that's him. but that totally the, makes the, sense. Yeah, the, it's the Hipster one that you'll scav? see. It's the one that you'll see in the loading screen where he's got the uh, the big thick jacket with the fur on it and an AKS. That's gonna be the guy in the woods. He has and a Dragunov right? and that AKS. That's really funny because that's yeah. yeah. I did not realize that's that's hipster scav is what they call. He's them, gonna right? be terrifying. He's gonna be on woods as a scav boss with a Dragunov. Yeah, that's not. That's It'll horrifying. Be It'll be a big change for sure for Woods because uh, I like Woods, honestly. It's it's one of my favorite maps because of the fact... I like how open it is. I like the fact that you get to kind of choose your engagements. You can run away a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And honestly, there's not that many choke points that you feel like you're going to get screwed on. I like yes. with Woods that there's a couple of spots where I know I might have to fight people, but for the most part, unless I run across another PMC, like I can kind of route my territory. Same reason yeah. why I like Shoreline. With Shoreline, I know the places where the enemies are going to be, and I know there's a lot of gray space to work in. Whereas something like Customs, 
you know you're going to get screwed here, there, and this other place, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know crossing the river, you might get screwed. You know at, this, at the point where you either have to go through gas station or through construction, uh, you might get boned. I mean, all those things are like like that that makes that map not fun because you might mm-hmm. have a really great beginning of the map but then you got to go through a choke point and you just get shot by right. you know a PMC who's been camping it uh but that's going to change uh woods knowing that at any point you might hear a dragon of out of the friggin yeah you know you're going to go from ghost recon to metal gear solid 3 real quick <laughs> yeah <laughs> just crawling through all the woods like i don't want to mess with this guy just just wait a week you'll be all right the sniper will die <laughs> Spoiler alert for those who haven't played that game from the, what, early 2000s? Yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. Runs out of rations or whatever. No, he, uh, obviously spoilers for Metal Gear. I don't give a, okay. You can't uh, spoil you, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, no, it's fight, been a while, man. It's been a, a while. Sniper, you fight a sniper named The End who is in a foresty section, and the catch was you could either fight him, I think you could sneak through, or if you waited one week... He would die of old age. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah that. <laughs> and then you just walk up behind him and find him dead. That's hilarious. I love those games. I love those games. Metal Gear Solid <laughs> Five. Actually, uh, who was it? Was it Big Fry? Uh, not necessarily a promotion for Big Fry here. I got my own my own feelings about that gentleman. Uh, but he does some interesting. But I think it was either him or Blue Drake were talking about Metal Gear Solid Five and how it's actually like a surprisingly deep tactical game. Like, mm-hmm. like the stealth aspects and the ridiculous storyline aside, like the ability to build weapons and utilize wep- realistic weapons is like, like kind of out of control. And it has yeah. been for a long time. But you kind of lose it in the absurdity of of the this of the anime storyline story yeah oh i'm sure on. i annoyed the hell out of my audience because as soon as i got the fulton i went out of my way to upgrade it so i could take vehicles and artillery emplacements and stuff like that and so mm-hmm. the whole game from then on was me walking around with a trank gun going pew 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 all right boys <laughs> let's hook everything up to balloons <laughs> that's hilarious Oh man. Well, so for Escape from Tarkov, uh yeah, like we said the patch could drop. They said in the next 2 weeks and that was the 27th of September that they said that. Uh so 2 weeks from the 27th of December is on Friday. So, or sorry, no, that'd be 3 weeks now I think about it. Yeah, that was last week. <laughs> yeah, last Friday. So, uh with the soon way the events have been going, symbol. I mean, yes, yes, soon TM is is <laughs> how it goes. Uh, I'll be interested to see what happens uh, with that. Um, sort of another news: uh, Squad last week released uh, Alpha 16, which, uh, for those of you guys that don't know out there, uh, added helicopters, which was uh, a huge change for the game. There had been mods for a long time that added helicopters, um, and they sort of integrated those mods and sort of didn't. Specifically, the control scheme from the helicopters did not get integrated, and I know that made a lot of people upset. Um, I've heard that I've heard varying stories on that. The rumor is that the, uh, the guys that made the helicopter mod, um, would want to be paid for their, uh, control scheme and, uh, off world was not willing to pay, but that's just the rumor I heard. Um, but they do control very differently. People have had a little bit of hard time, uh, getting used to that. But it, but it is, yeah, yeah, it is, it is alpha. I'll admit that for me, you know, I jumped in like everyone else when they were doing the public testing, 
tried to do the helicopter pilot thing. It's a lot of fun, but the ability to land without just hovering there and slowly descending is is pretty difficult. The way mm-hmm. the collective works and and how and how the helicopter rises or low, lowers based upon your percentage of collective. Meant oh, that so it's it, like Arma. Uh, it's sort of like Arma. I mean, it it's like Arma. It, I would say it's very realistic. Um, like the advanced having, flight model in Arma. Have you ever flown with that? No, no, I haven't. So that even takes into account. Um, I'm trying. To, I don't remember the term for it, but it takes into account the actual drag of the ground based on what's mm. around you. Like yeah, if ground you've got effect. Deep foliage. Yeah, if you've got deep yeah. foliage around you or whatever, it'll kind of suck you down more and mess with your lift and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I feel like it's very rooted in Project Reality though, because I, if I remember correctly, that's what Squad was originally yep. meant to be was next gen project reality and project reality had some of the jankiest helicopters i've ever flown in my life which is funny because it was in a it was in a game that had a helicopter flight model already yeah but they what they tried to do is make the helicopter flight model more realistic it was a lot more swingy yeah everything swung around a lot more yeah and i mean and and i can get it like um i've worked in the past with people who uh were either current or former uh, like Blackhawk pilots, and you know they spend a good chunk of their training just learning how to hover. Like the ability to maintain a steady hover is something that's not natural for human beings. It's very difficult to uh, gain the skills in. And so I get that. You know I'm not going to be able to jump into a game and suddenly be this ace helicopter pilot. But when you look at something like Arma, uh, Arm, all the Armas I think have always had these really good flight models that had that nice balance of, um, you know, being difficult. You can't just pick up a helicopter and know how to do it. But you could master it relatively quickly, and um, what, at least with the initial release of Squad, I know they've done some tweaks that I haven't had a full chance to test out yet because everyone's jumping in the helicopter all the time. Um, it tends to be fairly all or nothing, like the way that the uh, power, the collective, the uh, you know, which is which is an actual term for helicopters or whatever, but the the way that you uh, gain or or lower altitude uh, tends to be like I'm gaining all the altitude. I'm, you know, I'm at a, the right uh, amount to hover, 50%, or I'm dropping out of the sky. And so the ability to smoothly transition between trying to maintain elevation, or sorry, trying to maintain altitude and coming down for a landing is very difficult without just basically crashing into stuff. So a lot of people you know complained about it being very slippery. You need to get yourself. Um, except for it doesn't work in squad right now. The joystick controls don't work, or at least mm-hmm. they didn't in the public test. That was a big complaint by people is that you can't use your joystick at Yeah, because the, the problem with flying with the collective in Arma, uh, helicopters in particular, is like you said, it's it's all or nothing. It, it'll max out so quickly that you got to sit there and kind of just tap the other button to back mm-hmm. it off a little bit. Yep. And I feel like a squad should do what Arma did, add an auto hover. Uh, Most honestly, of the modern helicopters would be able to do it. I mean, if that's a thing that they put into Arma. Yeah, it it something like that would not be a bad. I mean, I think they'll get there. It's it's an alpha, you know. It's a squad still an alpha game. I know a lot of people are frustrated that squad doesn't have everything Project Reality had. That's a complaint I hear pretty regularly, both in my Discord and on like Reddit, is that people want squad to be where Project Reality was. Um, you know, and that's just not. That's just that not the case. That took a while. That took a I mean, while as well. Exactly. And they were building off a base game. That's the thing that people don't realize is that, you know, Squad is 
every asset in squad it's not just the model it's the flight physics for helicopters and it's the how it interacts with everything like i mean what's in squad as compared to project reality i'm gonna say and i know this might be an unpopular opinion with some i'm gonna say it's it's much better executed in squad than it than it is in Project Reality. Project Reality had a lot of great stuff going for it. They made a good a good game in that mod, but it just doesn't have the the I don't know, it, it was still cobbled together systems on top of Battlefield, you know. That's yeah. what it was. It's Battlefield more realistic like when you and make it's a, a new bit game aged at this point. I oh, tried yeah, to go back sure. and it's one of those. It's rough around the edges. Still has players though. People still yeah. play it. There's a lot of players. Um, have you had a chance to fly the helicopters yet, Tacti? Because you play squad, right? No, I, I haven't played since since we played, actually. Oh, okay. Um, Probably should, because I'm, I'm getting bored. I mean, w- yeah. with, with what's out right now, I'm just, I'm, I'm super bored with everything. Yeah, uh, I could, I mean, I could definitely see it. It's, it's kind of weird, because, like, I was, I was complaining on Twitter about last week. All these updates were coming, and all this stuff was was happening in, in all of these uh, hardcore games. Hell Let Loose released Omaha Beach last week, mm-hmm. and their offensive game mode, which we talked about earlier. Squad released uh, their thing. It looked like Tarkov was going to update anytime. Uh, World War Three released the 0.7 patch. All that happened in one week. I was like, "This is crazy," you know. But when you when you dig down deep into it, uh, none, well, with the exception maybe the Hell Let Loose update. Mm-hmm. Nothing that's happened yet has been like an apocryphal change in any of those games. Yeah. Like I said, adding helicopters in a squad changes the way the game plays a lot, but only for like the two to four people that are flying them and, you know, the one or two times you actually get like a helicopter insertion. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, you're still playing essentially the same game. There's a couple updates or upgrades that they made to some um vehicles, you know, and all that. But mm-hmm. overall, like unless you're super excited about driving some or flying some helicopters, then it wasn't a big update for you. Right. You know, the right. World War Three update, I'm interested to know your opinion on that, Tacti. Uh you know, I, I don't I don't do game development. I don't I don't know what goes into everything. Um but it was it was you you use the word underwhelming um on on something. I, I forget what you the, it was five months, five to six months not hardly anything has changed i mean some some minor quality of life stuff um i i just there's, there's not much to say about it um i know that that like this is supposed to set the groundwork for the future and the the next update is the movement update but how long is that going to take i i don't know just a lot of waiting for for nothing and i still have the same bugs i that the spawn bug is still around the infinite loading screen is happens to me every single time they try to do map rotation, which it's nice that they added that into it, but I can't get into another game without going back to the war map. Um, so that, I don't know, a little disappointed that uh, more didn't come, even though they stressed it, stressed that there wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be anything crazy, but it needs something because I, that's, when I when we played this past weekend, I was legitimately bored out of my mind playing the game because nothing has happened in that game. So which is which is funny because you and I, I mean, honestly, have built our streams on that game. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, arguably oh, yeah. that's that's the majority of my community showed up first while playing that game. Mm-hmm. Now since expanded, but but yeah, I mean, I think I think I'm on the same page as you f- for that. 
you know, with 0.6 when they came out with that update, uh, the Giga Patch. Mm-hmm. You know, I made a video on it. It's still one of my my most uh, watched videos on on YouTube because there was just so much stuff that somebody had to actually explain what's all the stuff that they added into the game. Right. Uh, you know, I thought about doing a 0.7 video, and I'm like, well, they did the the replication uh, what replication graph, I think they called it. They added that to it, mm-hmm. which is all backend stuff, and it's important, like you said, for them as developers. But it's one of those things that, like, when you go from a 0.6 to a 0.7, that's a big... That indicates to uh, players that you've made a, a substantial change to the game. And when right. you hop in and legitimately the only three changes that you can see as a player are there's challenges now, which the challenge system is cool. I like the challenge system. Mm-hmm. It needs to be tweaked. It does add a little bit of replayability to it, um, but it's not a huge change. Uh, they added it to where the uh, the opponent's uh, mobile spawn vehicle always looks different than yours, which is, I mean, cool, I guess. Yeah. I didn't have too hard of a time telling who is who, but I, I guess maybe in vehicles or whatever is hard to tell. <laughs> And then um, the last thing is the uh, the new uh, interface, or sorry, the the HUD in different vehicles, which mm-hmm. is cool. The HUD's cool, but all of those are really honestly minor changes. Those are those are not a yeah. big big point point X you know change or whatever. Right. That's those those are all minor changes you do on the way up to a big change. And so, uh, you know, I was musing about this with somebody in in the Discord, and you know, I almost wonder if at this point they haven't transitioned their uh, their sort of strategy now they had the big early access release which obviously had a, a huge flop i mm-hmm. mean everyone knows about that about a year ago right now um and then they fixed a lot of those bugs and they did a, a free weekend they did all this st- stuff to bring people back to the game and the game has like so much potential to be yeah. just such an appealing game be a real gateway game into the hardcore you know genre for people but uh i think because the enthusiasm honestly f- has kind of waned within mm-hmm. a lot of the community, uh, I think that maybe they might have transitioned into a phase of development where they said, well, there's a lot of back-end stuff we got to do. The player count's relatively low. And the players that they have now, the people who are playing right now, are the people who are going to play no matter what happens. Yeah. So they'll probably keep playing the game even if it doesn't get finished developed, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think they they might be looking at it at this this time frame like, changing the movement system is not something as a player that I'm particularly excited about other than the fact that it just won't be as janky as it is now. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's not a huge, it's, it's an improvement, but it's not a, not an upgrade if that makes sense. Like yeah. it's not, it's not new content. It's fixing systems that were, were, you know, piecemeal together or broken in the first place. Right. And so I think we'll see that, you know, with the 0.7 release and with their their point eight movement patch and a couple other things they're saying there might be some content in there but I think they're worried about getting those baseline systems fixed mm-hmm. and then as they move on towards point nine and point one zero however they're they're going to move forward I really do think they're going to then lump all of those uh, asset you know adding new assets adding new content adding new map adding the recon game mode yeah. all those sort of things you'll suddenly see them ramp up all of their pr and all that around that like yeah I think maybe they just yeah and i'm pretty sure that's that's the plan um ragger the the lead programmer i mean you know he's he's pretty active on the discord and he they seem to be pretty focused just on getting the point one they're, they they're they get a lot of flack for not doing any marketing and um, 
they just don't want to yet because why would they why would like this this patch is not a patch to be marketed to Mm-mm. to anybody so um they they will f- finish the game they say they have enough funding to finish the game at least to 1.0 but um they also what was i going to say Oh, but but it was but, <laughs> it was supposed to be done in twelve to fifteen months. That was the expected early access. But there's, uh, what two days from now is when it released mm-hmm. last year, one year ago, something like that. Um, two or three days, and so they're not going to hit the twelve month, obviously, and so they have point eight, point nine, whatever for the next three months to get done. Um, so it's it's just not going to get released in the window that they they had originally stated which i get i mean i don't know Again, i just hope they don't pull a tarkov because tarkov infuriated both me and my community by going from 0.9 we were all like all right boys full release is coming up yeah all right we're dropping 0.10 what they, that, that is are. how it works in development that's they how are. it works in development already that's, confirmed i get that but they set happen. that up to make it look like release even if they didn't do it intentionally it looked like release was coming and we were all just hyped for it and then <laughs> 0.10 drops and we're just very very confused no yeah it's, I, I think the biggest problem it, they just tried to release it too soon uh originally um I think that they the oh, especially be- with all the marketing, the marketing looked way mm-hmm. too wild for what actually came out for World War Three. If I'm being completely honest, yeah. Well, they wanted to jump. I get that they wanted to jump on the the whole battlefield mm-hmm. shenanigans or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so they they rushed it. I'm sure, but it just I probably hurt them in the end. To be honest, uh, certainly uh, on the uh, the release weekend. <laughs> But because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of people that refuse to touch early access, I've got a few mm-hmm. guys in my community will not touch an early access game, no matter what it is, no matter who the developer is, yeah. until no. it's full release, they're not gonna mm-hmm. buy it. I've got enough of those in my library right now. I don't, I don't think I need yeah. another one for sure. And that's that that concept though is something that uh, you know I kind of have penciled down as like in the future we gotta talk about. I don't mm-hmm. really want to crack open that can of worms here towards oh, the yeah. end of this one, but yeah. The idea of not being into early access but playing hardcore games, like you can't do it. Yeah. Because if yeah, you it's look, rough. look at the hardcore games, uh, which ones are not early access? Even Insurgency Sandstorm. Sandstorm. Yeah. Uh, not early it, access. Yeah. Quote unquote <laughs> not early access. Look, I love Rainbow some Six Siege. Yeah, not early access. <laughs> like it's 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 you know, you look at it and there's a lot to be said about early access, but all the games that we that we're covering more or less in this podcast are all going to be early access games. Yeah. Good segue, actually. You know who doesn't make early access games? Antimatter Games, makers of Killing Floor and Rising Storm <laughs> Two. You may be aware, Rising Storm Two is the Vietnam version of the Red Orchestra series, which was a very very hardcore World War Two series. Um. We're going to have to splice this trailer in while I'm talking about it. I DM'd you guys the the trailer. Uh, This is a game called 83 that Antimatter Games is coming out Mm -hmm. with. Uh, I believe it's going to drop next year. And it is essentially 
Cold War Gone Hot, the hardcore shooter. Hmm. So it's the Allies versus the USSR in a hardcore shooter that's very similar to Rising Storm Vietnam and Red Orchestra. Well, that's, that's going to be really interesting. Oh, I'm so hyped for this one. That's that's the era of gun history that I love the most because that's when the Britain and we should have been using FALs. <laughs> oh yeah, let's not let's not talk let's not get too excited about FALs here cuz <laughs> we'll talk about that for the rest of the rest of the night, but Look, you can never yeah. not have me uh, you can never have me not excited about an FAL. If they stick it in a video game, I might give them my money. <laughs> well, that's what's funny is that uh, you know going back to what I was talking about before, you know my my history with Operation Flashpoint. That legitimately was the storyline of that game. Is you were on a you were on an island yep. that had you and uh, Soviet troops on it, and there's a flashpoint, and, and something happened. Deal with that. <laughs> yeah, it's set in 1985. I want to say is what it was yep. the original game. So it's a <laughs> uh, it's interesting how games will ebb and flow between various various points right like we've had a billion world war ii shooters we've had a number of uh modern shooters they things swing back and forth everything mm-hmm. goes world war ii and then everything goes back modern um but i think people are, are discovering like battlefield one for all the things that people could say about it was extremely interesting uh of a game because they they hit a time frame that just nobody had made a good game in. Yeah. There's a couple mods. I played some great sort or uh, sorry Half Life One mods back in the day. The trenches. Shout out to the developers of the trenches. That was a fantastic mod. It was a World War One mod. But or Napoleon Total War uh, Victoria mods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like <laughs> you you look at uh, you look at that and like it's these well trodden time frames. So it's. You know, with with Rising Storm, with Vietnam uh, era, you know that's that's an era that has had uh, like two large like large budget games, and then a number yep. of of good games, but much smaller in scale that have come out. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a lot with with Rising Storm too. Uh, I'm gonna go on record and say I own it. I've played dozens of hours of it, and I just can't do it. I just I just can't do it. <laughs> I can't. I I get so frustrated. Doing doing everything I can and still having somebody pop out of a rice patty and, and cap me. Or not even pop out of it, just suddenly I die. Like <laughs> that you want to talk about running around for five minutes and, and getting shot from nowhere. That's the game more so than anything. See, I know it's an authentic experience, but the only difference in eighty three is that the snow is gonna start speaking Russian. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll definitely check that check that out. I haven't seen it yet, but uh it sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Um obviously uh uh, you know, both of you know, on the Discord, we have another gentleman that's that's working on a similar time frame mm-hmm. uh, game, though the, I imagine their development team is much smaller. So that, that'll be it's interesting like to see how people. that goes. Um, and yeah, aside from that, there's there's a few games that are on the horizon, but nothing really, I think, has solidified enough that's coming out soon mm-hmm. that's really no. worthy of, of mentioning it. It feels like there's we're kind of in a chasm between where a lot of games did early access... They had their hype, and now they're in the trenches of, of development phase, but we're not yet to that next generation of games. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you were expressing, right, Tacti? Like, once you buy the squ- squad and play it mm-hmm. a number of times, then you buy Postscriptum and you play that, which is basically World War II squad, and then you buy Hell at Loose, you play a number of games of that, and you buy World War III. You can get, you can get through all these games, even something like Ground Branch. Love that yeah. game. Yeah. But unless you really work at revitalizing it with 
you know, like what the unit guys do with really interesting uh, scenarios or really specific gameplay requirements. Like you really have to you have to make those games mm-hmm. replayable to the point where the development cycles just can't keep up with the level of enjoyment. That, well, I that just I just checked. I have I have put in exactly seventy hours on the dot in Ground Branch. I have done essentially everything there mm-hmm. is to do in that game at this point. So yeah, I, I take breaks here and there, but it's still it's still nice to go back to. But you you have a great point in that we really are at a holdup for development right now. I mean, we've got Ground Branch, we've got Ready or Not, Hell Let Loose, Postscriptum. When all these games drop, it's going to be a great day for tactical gaming. But we're still in that development slog right now because, as you stated, a lot of these teams are very small. Uh, mm-hmm. Ground branches, I'm probably going to get this number wrong, I think a six-person studio. Mm-hmm. Aren't you like a community um, manager? Shouldn't you know this? I, sh- I yeah, should. No, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, I think it's six. Uh, I think the number is six. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's six now that now that Toadie's on board. Um Void Interactive. I didn't know this until after I pre-ordered Ready or Not. They're supposed to be about as small as Blackfoot Studios, the developers of Ground Branch. It's a five to ten person team mm-hmm. that's developing that crazy of a game. And even those guys, uh, a good good example. Um, Ground Branch obviously came from John Sonnedecker, one of the previous employees of Red Storm Entertainment. Worked on Rainbow Six, Ghost Recon, all that. And Chris, the the lead developer, was a modder. That's how he got his start was with the Unreal Development Kit. Same thing with Void Interactive. These guys started as one of the, one of the main ones, I believe. Easy Street started as uh, the developer for the SWAT Four Elite Force mod, mm-hmm. and then went on to develop the sp- spiritual successor for it. And that's that's kind of what we're seeing with a lot of these groups. Is it's developers or modders breaking off from other groups finally getting the funding and the grouping that they need at least to get started and get development rolling get the ball rolling on getting more funding in yeah i don't know if you guys um you guys ever watched the those no clip uh gaming documentaries yeah okay um Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna i'm gonna plug right here they did uh an absolutely fantastic uh documentary i i should probably check to make sure it was no clip i'm fairly certain it was no clip though um, about uh, New World Interactive, the makers of yeah, Insurgency that was, that was no clip. Yeah, um, and they talk, uh, you know, Mikey and Johnny uh, and all those guys talk about that that transition of creating, you know, the the I believe Source Mod was the original yep, the original, original Insurgency source was mod. a Source Mod, um, and how they were just doing it as a fun thing, and it was just to make build skills or whatever. They didn't never intended on make it something bigger but then it got so much traction yeah it got so much traction that like you know they they got together well you know a couple of the guys got together and they talk about how they're like well if we want to do this we got to make a company we got development studio like they had to then become legit to then make more games like and and i think that you know what we're seeing now is uh people who are our age i think we're all around the same same age i'm 31 tacky mm-hmm. you're about to turn 29 yeah. Correct. Yeah, how old 27. are you 27 yeah so like yeah. you know the the half-life uh mods the unreal uh tournament mods specifically was my era and the source mods you look at yep. all of the all the people that are making these games now 
they started in modding not all yeah. of them but a lot of them started in modding the the leads the ones that have the the 35 year old guys that have the families they have you know they're trying to establish a, a legacy they're trying to not mm-hmm. just make a bunch of mods now they actually want to make something that's going to last um you know they all come from those from those days of just slogging through the modding world mm-hmm. and it's really interesting yeah. to see that and uh and if you think about it um there just isn't what's that next generation of of where this next generation of developers going to come from because there isn't source i mean there is still source right but there isn't something like source out there on the market anymore there's not anything like half-life there's not that one base game you could say maybe ue4 would be the (laughs) i think i think they're still out there and that the difference is it's a lot more accessible now with the knowledge like for instance i've I say I've been developing a game, but it's been on the back burner for so long at this point. But if you know how to even baseline code, you can get either Unity or Unreal working through YouTube tutorials. You, it, mm-hmm. I don't recommend you to you to me, but you know, get th- throwing that one out there. <laughs> uh, there's there's just such a, a wealth of knowledge out there on it that anybody can get started now. And then you have some groups like uh, Blackfoot Studios is planning on having mod support for Ground Branch. Uh, Squad already has mod support through the Epic Game Launcher and through Unreal Engine. I think that's really where the next phase is going to come from is is these kids that grow up tinkering around with games like we did. I mean, I made skin mods for Counter-Strike Source, and that's how I learned how to work with, with mapping and textures and, and all of that. And like, yeah, like you were saying, that really was our era, was, was Source modding. I, I, think that's, I think the same thing still applies. It's just now Unreal and Unity instead of Source. <laughs> Until Source 2 comes around and then blows all of our minds. Yeah, when Half-Life 3 just randomly drops. Yeah, when Half-Life I'm, 3 I'm, VR I'm, drops. I'm, I'm I'm waiting. Like I'm 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 calling the prediction now, and in 20 years, if this ever happens, somebody could be like, "Hey, useless fodder, you were right." <laughs> um, if Half Life Three ever does get made, they're gonna hold that thing so close to the chest. They're not gonna tell. <laughs> it's gonna get made on like some secretive government island, where like everyone's sworn to secrecy, and they they can't leave until the project's complete, right? And their families don't know where they're at, like. We're talking real deep stuff, deep in the bowels of Valve. So that's what Ghost Recon Breakpoint was about. <laughs> that was exactly it. Yeah. No one knew, right? Is it, yeah. actually that's a that's a microtransaction. You got to buy that island. <laughs> oh, got him! Uh, I, I I didn't I didn't want to bring up Ghost Recon. I know there's some some strong feelings <laughs> in the room for Ghost. We'll Recon. get that. We'll get that one on next time. Ne- yeah, next time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we're we're getting on to the. Uh, almost to the hour and a half portion so we should probably start mm-hmm. closing out this uh this pilot episode uh as we said of the uh you know <laughs> check your six podcast it's quite the pilot um it's quite the pilot uh yeah so let's uh let's go around the room uh or rooms i'll say since we're not co-located that'd be weird what if we were all in the same room and we just we were <laughs> filming a podcast to look far away you and yeah, i stop, just dropped stop the curtain my neck <laughs> he's on the other side of this thing it's weird it's different colors i know um he got all the good lighting you see that's why mine's trash today that's exactly what it yeah pretty much <laughs> that's i just get the nice things in life yeah. um so uh tacti uh you want to sign off tell people where they can find you out there in the, the sure. wilds of the internet yeah sure uh you can find me streaming mostly saturday and sunday morning um they're on twitch it's uh tacti gamer 4 
twitch.tv slash tacticamer4 because some random guy took tacticamer a while ago and I just couldn't get the original. Um, and then on YouTube, you can find me as just tacticamer, uh, youtube.com slash tacticamer. And I, I do a lot of videos for World War Three, and then going to try to transition a little bit more into to some other things since that's been slowed down a little bit. But, but you can find me there. Uh, tips, tricks, cinematics, vlogs. I don't know. Just a bunch of random things. So um, feel free to stop by. So your tactic gamer four are there like three other tactic gamers that you have to kill so you can absorb their mm. username? I think and eventually you'll get there. I think that's how it works. I'm waiting for Twitch to do like a, a refresh. I, I messaged the guy and asked if I could have tactic gamer and he never messaged me back. I don't think that he's uh, an active user at all. Yeah. So I'm just Same waiting thing happened for with Crux. Twitch to to do a wipe there um, of the old accounts so I can hop on it. So I'll check it every few months to see if I can get that original tactic gamer. You'll you- uh you'll get an email ahead of time. Every time they do a uh, username purge, they'll shoot out an email oh, to okay. everybody. Good yeah. to know. It's like uh it's like two weeks before they actually do it or something like that. Good to know. Or you just get partner and then you can ask Yeah, or them. just get partner and then they'll unpark it for you and give it to you. Well, okay, exactly. I'll I will work my way to that. <laughs> yeah. Now now you're gonna work Yeah, now partner. I'm yep. really you, gonna give a now lot of the motivation. Now he's gotta, he's gotta take out the other three tacty gamers to get partner. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> climb, climb your way over the, the dead bodies of your enemies. Okay. Uh, Crux, you want to sign off? Tell us where you, we can find you. Okay. I only have a couple of things to plug. Firstly, uh, support good studios. Don't buy from gray key resellers. Please, for the love of God, don't buy from gray <laughs> key resellers. Humble Bundle, is there any deal? Steam sales, you can always find something. Support good developers, please. Uh, other than that, I gotta grab this little box here. Uh oh. I gotta grab this little box here because the only thing that I do want to shill is my company. Oh, okay. Goon Raccoons. Mm-hmm. We're working. We're working on. Oh, there we go. It actually focused. Hey, he's got him too. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot. I was supposed to on... give you my address for that, wasn't I? What's Crap. that? <laughs> I was supposed yeah, to. I was supposed to, to give my that. address for that. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> so. We're working on just patches and stickers for right now. Eventually, we're going to move on to medical gear, gun accessories, things like that. But what we're primarily going to be focusing on is education behind the things that we sell. If I sell a tourniquet, we're going to have a video for how to use a tourniquet, either from myself or someone who's far more trained medically than I am. If it's if it's something bigger than a tourniquet, probably going to have an EMT buddy do that. Uh, our main thing is the, the best way to support people doing what they want to do and need to do to protect themselves is to teach them how to do it. So that's our whole thing. Uh, you can find me goon raccoons, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. That's my plug out of the way. Support good game developers, please. <laughs> and that's uh, is it goon raccoons.com? Uh, the, yes. Goon raccoons.com for the actual store. And then just goon raccoons on all the socials. Even though I don't like uh, Facebook, I even parked on that one. Yeah, you but you got to park on it. You don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. have to use it. I I've got a Facebook too, but you don't yeah. see me using <laughs> That's it. That's the best way right? to do it. Just but you don't want it to be somebody it. else. Yeah, because then once your company gets big, some guy is gonna have your name and he's gonna hit you up in the email and be like, "Hey, so uh, shoot me 10k, you can have the name." Like that cursed <laughs> tactic gamer guy. 
Exactly. Like that, that tactic gamer guy. See, that's, that's what that, it is. You got to get a little bit, you got to get a bit more money flow going into the stream. That way he finds out about you and he hits you up and he's like, what's up? So you want to, you want to slide me some bills for that? Yeah. And then you can tell Twitch and they'll just take the name from him because that's against their terms. I'm, saying, I'm pretty sure that's against TOS. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they don't allow parking. There you go. You bait him into it and then you don't have to pay for it. That's hilarious. The, well, the rogue's uh, mindset right there. <laughs> thanks for the, <laughs> thanks for that crux. Also, you wanna you wanna shout out Grand Ground Branch one more time. Oh yeah, Ground buy Branch, go, go, the most tactical go, of shooters. Go buy that game. It's in early access, but it is being made by a team that genuinely love what they're working on. They're extremely passionate about this game, and they are doing their best to put out massive content updates every month to month and a half. I mean, they have been absolutely massive every time we've had a patch drop. Yeah, definitely yeah. once those anim- new animations get in there, it's going to oh, be, yes. oh, it's gonna be prone. amazing. Yes, so, prone. Uh, prone. Prone. Prone, thank is, you. Prone please, is in the please works. Please, Prone. Please, Prone. prone is being worked on all right of us, now. All of us are praying for Prone right yes. now. Yes. It's going to change, right change every. The two things that are going to really change the game with Ground Branch, they've already included the ballistics, but the armor model and Prone. And that's gonna L. Oh, it's gonna be so good. We're getting there, boys. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> this this train this train's moving slow but steady. Yep. Awesome. Well, uh, with that, uh, I'll sign off. Uh, I am useless fodder. I stream uh, Monday, Friday, and Saturday mornings. Uh, Wednesdays um, have been kind of on again, off again. I stream mornings in the in North America, zero seven thirty Eastern Standard Time. That's thirteen thirty for any of you guys out there in the uh, the eastern part of the world from an American perspective, uh, as everything is. Um, I also have YouTube <laughs> useless fodder there. It's youtube.com forward slash useless fodder. I got one of those old YouTubes that isn't some crazy hash for a name. Looks like some sort of code to a secret government uh, computer system <laughs> or something like that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I do the Twitch streams, uh, I do the, the YouTubes, I do the Instagrams, I do the Twitters. If it's out there, I'm probably at least have have it parked. TikTok uh, coming soon. Pinterest, uh, TikTok. Don't tell everyone what my plans are. But, uh, <laughs> He's even uh, gone back in time and claimed the Vine name. <laughs> oh man, Vine 1.0, I'm starting it up again, boys. Um but with that, uh, yeah, you can see hardcore first-person shooters uh, like the sort of games we talked about here. Um, I also got a, a playthrough of uh, Fear that I'm doing right now, um, which is super game. fun. And then tomorrow, which will be probably after this drops, but uh, I'm trying out Chernobylite, which is an early access game by the same development uh, development firm, Farm 51, as World War, World War Three, but not the same team. Mm-hmm. So that should be interesting. If you like Stalker, you ever played Stalker? Uh, Chernobylite is is basically Metro, uh, Exodus and Stalker combined, and I think it's gonna be really good. So I'm gonna try. Well, that Well, time soon. to get the vodka and gas mask. Where are they? <laughs> and it uh and it actually just released today. Haven't had a chance to play it, but it Ooh. did release it in early access. Early access, like every other game, right? How much uh, is it? Thirty dollars, thirty US. So yeah, it's a little little pricey for an it's early little, access game. Steep. Single player out, story. I don't know how that how early access and single player story works, but that's that's another discussion that we can have on Saturday morning it or is, something when we're playing. Yeah, so it, yeah. It, it should be interesting. I'm in. I'm gonna say I'm in. I'm gonna be in, and I'll okay. do it, and I'll let you guys know. Okay. You know what? Okay. Or you just tune in tomorrow, zero seven thirty Eastern Standard Time. All right. If I'm not working, <laughs> there you go. I'll, I'll be working, but. 
but with that we're we're at right at one hour and 30 minutes so we're going to close out this first episode of uh check your six podcast i really appreciate uh tactic gamer thank you very much for for be for staying up super late yeah no uh, problem and recording this with us hopefully uh hopefully you get enough sleep before the baby wakes up yeah yeah, we'll see and we'll see and uh crux thanks again tell your uh tell your girlfriend we're sorry uh but that she should probably crumb up your bed really bad mm-hmm. i'll just buy cookies. her more french fries from mcdonald's she'll be all right there you go that's what it's all about <laughs> uh with that thanks guys and uh we'll see you next time sounds good Fox. Yeah, see you later night. bye bye